We meet in the middle of the day, in the middle of the week, to chat about Python. I'm Chuck. I'm Laís. It's Pi time. Meet, meet Pi. Hello. So um, yeah. So uh, hello. Welcome back to Meet with Pi. We are back to our our country that is not very um, bright and sunny <laughs> like we did last week. Um, yeah. Actually, it was hot like last week uh, in London, but kind of like uh, it doesn't matter to me. Uh, but when I come back, it's like really grim and rainy, like it used to be. So it's like so good to feel like at home. I just miss this like really horrible weather. <laughs> yeah, I, I I miss the weather a little bit as well. Although it's supposed to rain for the next six days straight in Dublin, so mm, I don't know how much I missed it. <laughs> but well, we're back to it anyway. And welcome everyone. I hope you missed this. Yeah. So um, right. So uh, today we have a lot of news, and uh, Lace actually did like got a lot of news in Python, so I would just let her go through it and uh, sit here to chill for a bit. And then we'll have an interview with uh, Nina, because uh, mm. like she's like she's well, she'll be asleep right now. Actually, like I think uh, we we need to talk about that after the program. Maybe like we're thinking about maybe you should uh, change the time so it could be more um, time zone friendly for uh, people from America. So and. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want me to share the screen so you can uh, talk us through it? Yes, I think that would be cool. Yes. Just give uh, me one sec. Let me um, prepare the link. Actually, I could just like share this. Uh, wait a second. Uh, right. Okay. So, yeah, mm-hmm. you can see a beautiful note here. So, by the way, if you want to get the note, you can see it from here. So if you want to get this note, please, uh, uh, you know, go to this link um, and you will see this beautiful note with all the link there. You can uh, go through it together with us. So, but otherwise, uh, without further ado, I would just like go to the first news. So uh, this is Pi Bay. Uh, wh- what's going on? Yes. Uh, so Pi Bay had a conference. So Pi Bay was a conference that went uh, live this weekend. So the 15th, the 16th and the 17th, so Saturday, Sunday and Monday. Uh, they had some really cool talks all over the shop. It was really interesting. Uh, I couldn't be there on the first day because it was my birthday. Um, but then I was there on Saturday and then Monday they had a really cool job fair and to end everything, they had two really interesting workshops. Um, and it was a really, really, really interesting conference. Cause like, if you go back to the top of the page, there you can see that they had they used this different uh, I think it was Remo that they used to host it, and you can see that they had the actual uh, conference halls and the tracks and all the tables, and you could join people on different tables for the workshops, and there was it, it was a really feel feeling of co- conference uh, walking around, so it was quite interesting, especially because of the of the interface, but the talks were also really interesting. Um, there was a really, really good talk um, from one of the developers uh, from Raza, uh, and she was talking about the new GPT-3 technology and how to use that um, on your project and some like good things about it and some bad things about it, some re- really difficult things about it. Uh, and I think that was one of the, my favorite talks of the day. So yeah, that was, was really cool. So you click on these kind of things to go to a table, right? Yeah. 
yeah, it's kind of like yeah, we, we actually I th I'm thinking about like a virtual conference VR uh, could be a very good startup idea. <laughs> so basically, you can like w walk around because kind of like playing uh, you know we fit adventure and things like that. Then you can uh, go there and hello, Jumac. Pai Bay, yes. Oh, have you have you been to Pai Bay, Jumac? Uh, yeah. He was messaging me on Saturday night saying, "Are you are you there? The conference is really cool. Why are you not are you not here yet?" <laughs> <laughs> right. So yeah. So we could. Put, very interesting. They start a talk at five. Is it is it local time for me? Like no, five That's Pacific time because uh, it's the Bay Area in San Francisco, so it's Pacific time. But they they all started in the afternoon. That's very interesting. Yes. Yes. For us, it was the afternoon because the page um shows the time. For your local time. Okay, yeah, that's what that's why I'm asking. Cause like yeah. it's very strange, but well, I guess that works if you're not like not having much thing in the evening. So, yeah, but that was last week, right? But like it's, it's yeah, it's, it's last week. So, yes. um, sorry, folks. <laughs> uh, okay, so um, next thing. Then is... for the future now. Yeah. We we have yes, that was just my impressions on Pi Bay. I just wanted to say that it was a really cool conference. Uh, then after that, we have news for today. So PyCon India extended their CSP, their call for proposals until today. Uh, they're preparing, it seems that, like they're preparing quite a cool, a cool event for everyone. And um, the, the proposals, they have a few specific subjects for proposing talks. Um, and they also require you to um, record a video and to prepare your slides and update it. Um, but it seems like it's going to be a great event. Have you submitted yet, Chuck? Well, I've submitted, but I'm not going to upload the slides and the videos because uh, I want to keep it as like a, as the premiere in the in the conference. So, yeah. Okay. I, I'm explaining about like uploading like things because, yeah, I think like usually a proposal is just like you written all these things, kind of like a a plan. So I think uh, for for slides and videos, I I don't think like. Uh, yeah, it will be ready. <laughs> but well, you submitted as well. you submitted already, so that's that's good. Cool. And uh, then more news for the future. Uh, the PSF is looking for people that have been contributing to the Python community to be nominated as a PSF fellow until tomorrow. Uh, so if you grab the link um, on our our document. You can go there and find the link as well to indicate the person that you think it should be uh, nominated for a PSF fellow. Um, so this is Q3, right? So they do it actually uh, per quarter. So this is for Q3 uh, this year. So okay. yeah, yeah, there's like four quarters. So yeah, if you have anybody who, who you think is uh, suitable, then you can do that. And we have like actually a few friends in this list here, which is very good. <laughs> Yeah. Um, we do indeed. Yeah. So, well, sometimes there's more, sometimes there's like less. So I think, yeah, it's it is not like you know there's no competition. I think it's just like you, if that person fulfilled the criteria, then they would be um they would be uh, rewarded. So please uh, nominate. Like, don't be um tight. <laughs> and yeah. Okay. Cool. So yes, and then we have some news from the PyData Awards. Uh, that is not necessarily PyData, oh. but it's Python and data related. 
so there is this new consortium. So you're not talking about Django, right? Okay. Uh, oh, sorry. Yeah, we, we need to talk about Django. Sorry about that. Let's go back to Django. No, 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 no. We can go back after this. Okay. Perfect. I'm just lazy. <laughs> <laughs> you're never lazy. I don't know why you say this. But anyway, so there is this new consortium for Python data API standards. So basically, what these people are trying to do, so the name of the, the people there are consortium uh, is the Quant Quantsite Labs, and it's a junction from TDK and Microsoft and TensorFlow and a few other companies here and there, trying to build a, try to standardize APIs for data science um, frameworks. So they're just trying to make sure that everyone builds APIs um, that attends to the same standards. And we're having quite a, uh, we're having a quick talk about this beforehand and Chuck has a few impressions on it, right? Uh, what do you mean? Like, I just think that, yeah, it's, it's uh, what, what about this like Quonsai Lab thingy? Is it, is, is this a um, company or is this a, um... Yeah. Uh, no, so I think it's like a public benefit division. So it's like it's a bunch of people getting together. Um, it might be it. It might be a company model, but I don't think it's a company itself because everything is just open source related. Um, right. Yeah. So they're together trying well, to build a sustainable um, open source future. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, the name sounds like they are actually some like a uh, financial, um, you know, uh, fintech uh, startup thing. <laughs> mm. Actually, like, I think I've heard the name somewhere before, but I'm not so sure. One site labs. Okay. Um, yeah, so there is Microsoft and there is TensorFlow and there is our friend Zuckerberg over there. Um, there is a little bit of a hand of Google there as well. Uh, yeah, there's a few people with a lot of money in this. But well, I I tend to think that standardization is because yeah, because uh, is the company behind this, right? So I'm not sure sure about like yeah, um... it, yeah. So it's I think it's like a spin up from a company, um, and then they have this uh, project that they kind of uh, try to liaise different companies and maintainers to to um, to join force to kind of have a standard for how the API should work. Yes. So, yeah. So. I think that's what it is, but I'm not so sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's exactly what it is. So we have like we have uh, TensorFlow, we have PySpark, we have uh, Dask uh, and Pandas and a few other frameworks as well. Everyone um, under that trying to standardize those APIs. Um, yeah. yeah, news. That's it. So the the Django link uh, is is actually is the is the one the same as above. So uh, oh, I'm, I'm sorry about that. It's fine. Uh, uh, well, the Django link is basically just saying that uh, Django. Cool, you got it. Cool. So there is a few new release notes, and they are dropping some backwards compatibility um, from the 3.0 versions and before. So if you're a Django user, uh, you might just want to check that link and make sure that before you update. Um, you know everything that is being dropped and everything that is being updated. That's it. Yeah, they are like uh, supporting like more async function, which is cool. Yeah, you can now test in async. 
So I remember Adam was talking about this with us when he interviewed, right? That they were looking for it. Yeah. All right. So PyLadies. Yes. Then we have a quick PyLadies session a section today. So we have uh, PyLadies and women's tech makers in from Delhi hosting a show and tell uh, meetup on the 29th of August. So if you would like to participate, um, there is that link and then the registration link over there, the PyLadies slash um, hyphen SAT brings you to a form. Um, you can just submit whatever it is that you want to, to submit and wait for your answer. And it seems like it's going to be a quite a cool, a cool event as well. Uh, to prepare some interesting stuff. Right. So, yeah, this is in IST. So, yeah, so it'll be uh, evening. Uh, no, actually, like uh, early afternoon. So, the, yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. Right. Cool, cool, cool stuff. Okay, so, and uh, Naomi. Yes, last but not least, we have then PyLadies <laughs> Munich. Okay. Yes, hosting Naomi Sader. You know Naomi. Yeah. Uh, she was she she was our interview interviewee here as well once, and she will be talking about Python objects. Um, she's the author of the the Quick Python book. And she's the perfect person to talk about Python objects. Uh, we're big fans of her, of hers, and we will not miss this event by anything in the world. Yeah, I really like this avatar. I don't know, like, uh, is it from? I don't think it's from her website, but this is really cool. I really like it. <laughs> okay, so um, perfect. Right. So me. Those are all the news I have for right now. Right, so we are right on time. So I think now we can just sit back and relax and try to enjoy. I will share it again, actually, just to be sure that uh, the video thing is working. So let me um, let me do some driving here and let's. I don't. Oops. Okay. Right. Please don't get frozen. <laughs> yeah, because like uh, yeah, it's becoming super strange. And oops, wait a second. Yeah, I have to make sure that I've enabled the um, the the uh, audio. So, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. No Sorry, it's just like take a while to find the tab because I've opened so many things. Okay. Right. <laughs> Enjoy. Yes. Okay, so thank you, Lena, for joining. Uh, thank you so much. And uh, we actually we have been uh, talking about this for a while, and I'm super excited to have her here. Um, so first of all, congratulations for uh, being elected to be the PSF board. Uh, I'm so happy when thank I hear you. the news because I think we kind of uh, co collaborate with the Python Sprints, uh, uh, you yeah. know, the mentored Sprint uh, before. So uh, yeah, so I'm super happy for you. And um, I think maybe at the beginning. So um, before, you know, um, I started the interview, so maybe you could let us know a little bit more about you. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, I'd be happy to. Hey, folks, uh, my name is Nina Zakarenko. You might follow me on Twitter at NNJA, or maybe you've gone to one of my Python talks. I've spoken at PyCon US quite a few times, um, as well as other Python conferences around the world. Uh, and I am a recently elected 
board member of the PSF, which uh, I don't know, I still kind of can't believe it. Uh, I was really, really happy and excited to hear the news and kind of means that I can uh, take uh, take kind of everything that I've learned about the Python community over the past few years and use that as an opportunity to help others uh, join the community and get more involved and grow and build it. So all things that I'm very passionate about. Yeah, so uh, do you mind giving us an update about like what's going on with the PSF now? So after the elections, or maybe now you started to, um, you know, be very busy uh, because like, you know, to contribute in the PSF. So like, what would your role would be uh, in, in there? <laughs> uh, I'm still figuring it out a little bit. The things that I want to focus on are uh, making sure that the Python community doesn't splinter, even though we can't meet in person. So figuring out best practices and guidelines for virtual events. Um, as part of that, well, I, I, this started before I joined the PSF, but I am a co-chair for PyCascades Remote 2021. So it's gonna be happening in February. I'm co-organizing uh, with Seb and uh, we're both like really excited to figure out, you know, what's the best way to get folks to interact and actually, uh, Feel like they're part of a community besides for typing in a chat box or watching a video, right? Because it's really hard. Uh, yeah. And also joining the working group for PyCon next year, PyCon US next year. Yeah. So uh, yeah, PyCon uh, this year I know is a little bit different. So I think uh, the preparation now is just aimed to being back to normal, right? Um, I think we're kind of in a place where we're exploring both scenarios. I mean, in an ideal world, it would be great to be able to meet in person. Um, but that's, you know, we, we have to plan for a virtual event because we don't really know what the world is going to look like in the next few months. Yeah, because I, I actually, I just had like a meeting with the EuroPython uh, committee and then we kind of really liked the idea of having maybe a hybrid kind of uh even though you know things get back to normal but like yeah. i think there we explore a lot of like opportunity from the online you know format and i think there's a lot we could uh, learn from actually so yeah maybe maybe like people love online as well uh, i don't know i can't say for everybody <laughs> i think i think that's true um Something I really liked about PyCascades over the past two years is the talks were always live streamed to YouTube. So even if folks couldn't participate, um, anyone in the world could watch the videos. And um, they even had a really nice quiet room where you could go and watch the live stream that was muted with captions. So if you just you know didn't want to be in a, in a room full of people and you needed a little bit of time to yourself, there was a, a kind of an on-site hybrid version. Yeah, that that's always nice. Like uh, the caption thing that you mentioned, uh, that's also something that I, I really like. Uh, so yeah, actually, like there's uh, someone just remind me this advantage of having talk recorded because uh, you can have a better quality of captioning. Mm -hmm. um, so I think yeah, like there's a lot of uh, different things. That I think we we won't explore this before, right? When we have conference, we just every year we would do more or less the same thing. Maybe we can add in a little bit more, but we never think about the whole thing can change <laughs> like what yeah. we do this year so uh, yeah and and I think we're all still figuring it out right like every conference uses its own platform and its own mix of tools and there's 
no one thing that's like 100% nailed it just yet. But I think as the, you know, as our needs grow for a platform like that, we're going to, we're going to figure it out and hopefully the tools evolve with us. Yeah. So, okay. Uh, I have to stop myself from being sidetracked from other things. So I really want to know that, um, like, actually, where are you from? Uh, when do you start a Python? <laughs> yeah. So I started Python maybe around 2014, so six, seven years ago now. Wow. Um, 20, 2013, I think, yeah, yeah, it was the first job I had where I wrote any Python. Um, unfortunately, I was writing Python kind of on the side, and I was doing Java for my main role, so I'd worked as a Java, enterprise Java developer for quite a few years before that, um, and I realized that I wanted to kind of stretch myself and learn a new technology because the kind of roles that I was getting uh, with programming Java weren't necessarily the things that I was interested in or enthusiastic or passionate about. Um, so Python kind of seems like the language that would help bridge that gap. And uh, yeah, I would say that's mostly been true. What would you choose like uh, Java and Python if you have to choose only one? <laughs> I, I, I have chosen Python. Okay. <laughs> but I, learned, I learned Java in college, so. Oh yeah, that's, that's actually I've heard this uh, similar things, like people when they study, they learn Java and then they discover Python and they kind of convert it. <laughs> yeah. What advantage? Yeah, what, what, what things, like what makes you like Python more and kind of choose Python over Java? <laughs> um, It's just like really easy to write a program that does something. You know, you don't have to compile it. There's a lot of tools and libraries available. There's this really rich internal um, SDK with a lot of libraries that you might want to use for anything. And then um, there's tons of SDKs and external libraries for anything that you might want to do. So it's pretty, pretty easy to get productive quickly. And uh, with Java, there's just a lot more startup time. So you said that you learned, uh, you started like doing Python in 2014, right? So do you like just jump into the community during the start or do you just like kind of be more confident and then you start exploring? So how can you get involved in the community? <laughs> well, it's kind of a funny story. At the time I was working somewhere that um, let me go to uh, one conference a year. And I, I'm a little bit hesitant to share this story because I don't want employers to not send not send their employees to conferences. But um, I, I decided to choose PyCon because I had heard really good things about it, PyCon US. Um, this must be 2013. I think 2013 was my first PyCon US. And I went, and at the time, I didn't really know much about community around programming languages. I had just started going to meetups like tech meetups, because I worked at meetups, but I joined a meetup because I found out about it through like not tech stuff. Like I, I knew about meetup from a snowboarding group that I belonged to. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, and so when I came to PyCon, I'm like, I was really kind of hesitant about it. I'm like, you know, people are going to make fun of me for being a noob. I hadn't really written much Python at the time and I didn't really know what to expect. Uh, and everyone just kind of welcomed me with open arms and folks are really encouraging and you know nobody made fun of me <laughs> but it was kind of the opposite of what I was anticipating and that was my first taste um and then eventually I ended up quitting 
the job where I was writing Java to uh, teach myself Python over the summer at uh, a program called Recurse Center, if you're familiar with it. Actually, I have no idea. <laughs> Do you mind yeah. telling me more? Hacker School, maybe? It's what it oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. Okay, yeah. It's, it's kind of like a writer's retreat for programmers. And so I kind of took the summer off and uh, taught myself new things. Yeah, so that's quite quick, actually. You just spend a summer and then you and then you landed a Python job, right? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I did have four years of Java under my belt at that point. So I kind of had all the structure there. It was just learning about, you know, syntax and semantics and moving from uh, an interpretive, uh, sorry, a compiled language to a, a, a dynamic one like Python. That kind of really broke my brain in the beginning of like, what do you mean? <laughs> Yeah. You mean I don't have to say the type of, you know, what it is and the yes. change and like, yeah, yeah it I, took me a long time to kind yeah. of figure that out. I, I feel the same when I learned uh, Python because I, well, I, my background is a bit strange, a mix of like different things, but I, I did a little bit of programming in school. Um, mm -hmm. I, I did not study computer science, but, I, and then when I first did Python, I was like, this is so different from anything that I know before. And uh, yeah. So I, I guess it's easy for you, like when you ha already have experience and, but is it still like quite difficult when you try to like switch, kind of like a small switch in your career from developing Java to de developing Python? Do you feel the pressure there, like when you find your first job? Um, I, not so much, I think because I was already kind of midway in my career, it was pretty easy for me to um, find roles. But I did say, I, I will say that when I was doing Java full time, it was really hard for me to learn Python in the evenings because it just, I didn't have enough immersion and the concepts, at least to me at the time, were so different that it took me a little bit of time to, to kind of pick up on it. And I didn't really gain steam in learning Python until I was able to devote like the summer to learning it. That's when I could kind of devote the time and, and immerse myself and really um, do a, bunch, a much better job with kind of picking up on the constructs. And after that, it was much easier. So for viewers who kind of doesn't have like, you know, just started Python, do you recommend that kind of thing to others? Yeah, I would say that the, the other thing that really helped jumpstart my Python was um, solving a problem that I had. Um, at, at the time, there were a lot of tech meetups in New York that were really hard to get into. They would um, fill up really fast and, you know, I'd miss my alarm or I didn't know when events were getting posted or I wouldn't see the email. So I, there were some meetups that I could never get into. Um, so I had this idea to build like a meetup sniper <laughs> where yeah, I could like log in with my meetup account and say like which meetups I wanted to go to and it would listen to the feed and then automatically RSVP me. So um, having a project that I was kind of excited about and interested in building uh, really helped cement the learning process for me um, and kind of helped drive it to completion in a way where I didn't you know, give up on the project. So yeah. if you can't take time off and figure out what to build, something that you're passionate about that can kind of help you level up your skills. Yeah, I think that's like I think I resonate with that a lot because like every time I think I learn the most, it's like I want to you know really get my hands on something. So 
Yeah. So, okay. So I need to ask you for a difficult question. So um, what is your favorite uh, Python conference? Because I know that you're involved in a lot. So it's <laughs> kind of like choosing your favorite child. <laughs> yeah. Well, there, there are two. I will say that PyCon US is always my favorite just because it means I get to see friends from all over the world that I usually just kind of see once or twice a year. And uh, we all get together and, and swap stories and, and see how um, we're, all, we're all doing. And uh, I do like a lot of the smaller or the regional conferences, but it doesn't quite happen in the same way or, or at the same scale as it does at, at PyCon US. Uh, and then I also have a soft spot for PyCascades. Uh, I've been twice now, once, as uh, a speaker, once as communications chair, and then the third time I'm going to be uh, co-chairing and, and organizing. So um, it's a really nice regional conference that rotates around um, Portland, Seattle, and Vancouver, so kind of the Cascades region of the U.S. And the folks who started it and have been organizing it for the past few years have made it a really high quality event where they care about diversity and they care about inclusion and they care about accessibility and they've set a really high bar. So I feel pretty honored to be involved. Yeah, so do you have any like very like memorable stories that you think that is worth sharing? That is like special just for like, you know, these two conferences that you want to um, share about? <laughs> well, hmm, I guess that there's a lot of stories, but uh, I went to Pi Cascades in Portland in February of this year, and I didn't really realize that would be my last conference for the next year or two. Uh, so it was a great event. There are really good speakers, and um, I got to spend time with uh, people that I, I don't necessarily get to spend a lot of time with. And and had I, I known in retrospect, you know, I think I would have um, tried to be a little bit less stressed and you know less hurried and, and kind of really been like more present there knowing that 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 was my last chance to see some of those folks and have that community experience in person yeah it's like because for me a part of the conference experience is to meet friends and also spend a lot of time drinking it's like I mainly go to the European conferences and I don't oh, know whether yeah. it's a European thing or is it like is it for because for, I I was planning to go to PyCon US this year but of course it doesn't happen so um, is it like a big thing drinking after the conference uh, in, in the US? Not as much as it is in Europe no okay. I went to a EuroPython in, uh, in Edinburgh and uh, yeah, there was a lot of drinking that happened afterwards. Yeah. And I, I don't drink very much, so. Yeah, yeah I know. It's, I think, yeah, it's mainly like a, a UK or European thing that, you know, people just spend too much time in the pub. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, so but I, I guess there's also other social uh, opportunity in the uh, in the PyCon in the US, right? What's that? As like, uh, you know, when, you know, you've got a lot of time maybe doing something in the evening with people to socialize and maybe yeah. go out for dinner and kind of try, try to like, you know, connect with people. Yeah, I, there's still a lot of folks who hang out at the bar yeah. at PyCon, but I, I think it's less of a culture, you know. Yeah. So it's not, as I, I think people are behaving more <laughs> rather than like sp drinking till two and then being really like uh, can't attend a conference at 9 a.m. <laughs> That's not yeah. very healthy. Um, okay, so uh, 
So I think we, we, we can maybe talk a little bit more about diversity here now, because of course, like you're a female leader uh, in the Python world. So um, what do you think about uh, female leadership in Python? Because I know that, you know, in, in tech uh, in general, you know, it's kind of because of the proportion of the gender is not very uh, even. So there's people always see that there's a problem uh, in diversity in the leadership. So what, what do you think about like the Python community? Um. Well, to be honest with you, one of the reasons I was first drawn to PyCon was I looked around and I was like, oh, there's actually some, some other women here. There's actually some other people who look like me in the hallways, at the talks, uh, and, and sometimes even giving talks. And to me, that, that was kind of a big draw because at the time that I went to my first PyCon, I had already spent a few years in tech. Uh, I had already dealt with a lot of discrimination, kind of both against uh, my age at the time, because I, I started my career pretty young, and uh, against my gender. And so to be somewhere where there was some representation of everyone, of different genders, different races, different ages, different levels of experience, um, I found that really energizing. And, you know, on top of that, to have all of these different people have one purpose in mind to kind of elevate the community and like wanting to be a part of something bigger than them. Um, I found that kind of really, really amazing and really inspiring. Uh, and so I decided to try my hand at, at giving talks. And I think the first PyCon I spoke at was in 2015. Maybe <laughs> I, I think I spoke at a JingoCon Con in 2014 and then kind of worked my way up to Big PyCon in 2015. And I was so nervous. I just spent hundreds of hours preparing my talk and practicing and all of that. And it's finally over. And, you know, I realized that it was um, after the fact that it was a really rewarding experience. A lot of people came up to me afterwards kind of saying that they related with the content, thanking me for speaking up about it. But several years later, I ran into uh, Marietta, who's a core developer for Python at a, um, at a Python lunch. And she said that uh, uh, watching me give talks and again, seeing somebody who looks like her uh, give a talk inspired her to start giving her own talks. And that, I don't know, made me cry. <laughs> I, was, I was crying at this lunch. It was just so surprising and unexpected, and I think it's really true, you know, that we we need to increase the diversity of our community so that folks who are diverse feel comfortable participating. Do you, do you think the support from like like because like like you said like uh, Marietta think that you know someone that's similar to you uh, would step up to do something? Do you need, do you think that like this is the support that we need? We need to have you know. Um, we're just inspiring each other, right? Because there's something yeah. that, um, you know, so, so do you think that's like uh, for someone, for example, uh, uh, a new like female developer kind of uh, just started their Python journey, what what, what uh, advice you can give to them um, if they want to really, uh, you know, be involved? Yeah, I think PyLady is, is a really, really good resource to get started with. Uh, their Slack is great. They have quite a few folks in leadership who are really um, passionate and enthusiastic. And when I first started in tech, I kind of had this grumpy, I would say my, my first 
few years after getting started in tech, I kind of had this grumpy senior woman in tech syndrome where I'm like, why do we need things like PyLadies? Everything should just be open and equal. And, you know, we don't need this separate space. And now after I've been in tech for uh, a decade now, I can say like, yes, we really do need these communities. We need a space for others to have uh, with folks that look like themselves and a safe place to learn where nobody has to be worried about disparaging remarks or comments and where um, people who are learning kind of feel comfortable stepping out of that shell and asking questions where they might not feel comfortable in the space otherwise. So I think PyLady is, is a really great resource. If you're first starting out in Python and you need support, uh, it's a really nice community. Yeah. So um, what do you think the future would be like, um, you know, do, do you think that, you know, um, do you have any ideas that like maybe we need to do some changes to make it more diverse or do you like think that what we are doing well, we have to enforce it? Um, yeah. Uh, I think we as a community can definitely make changes. We've come a long way from where we were, but um, white women are not diversity, right? And and white women from the U.S. and Europe are, are not, um, don't really represent a diverse piece of the pie either. Right now, there's a lot of really amazing up-and-coming Python communities in Latin America. There's communities coming up in Africa. And there's also uh, a, a whole diverse uh, community of people from different races who are in the U.S. as well. So we've kind of gotten to the point where, like, great, there's more women in tech, more women in the Python community. Chances are they're white women. So how can we apply all of those lessons that we've learned getting those folks in and better represented and apply it at a greater scale to a, a greater worldwide community? Yeah, I actually I just joined PyCon Africa and I'm I, I'm so amazed that like there are actually a lot of like really, really good developers there and we just can't, you know, like have stereotype and overlook this kind of um, up and coming region. And actually I think it's good to give them more support because still, you know, uh, they still have infrastructure problem. The internet is not good. So um, now it's a challenging time if people don't have internet. So um, yeah, so, but, but you're right. Like it's not just, you know, white women or women in general, but like there's also other type of diversity that we have to really care about, I think. So I think yeah. that's, that's great. That's, that's really good. So, um, so uh, okay, so we have a little bit of time, and I know yeah. that you have a you have a Twitch channel as well. <laughs> yeah. Um. So what what do you do with your Twitch channel? Yeah. So maybe back in March, I started live coding on Twitch uh, about twice a week. Since then, I have not had as much time to do live coding, unfortunately. But I have been doing a weekly interview show called Python Tea, and uh, it's. I, I just switched the time to a more European friendly time zone. So now it's at 10 a.m. Pacific. And I've had some really, really lovely guests on the show. Uh, I've had uh, core developer, Lucas Langa. I've had uh, Lorena Mesa, who's on the PSF and uh, organizes PyLadies. Um, I've had Thea Flowers, who's a Seattle PyLady and does a lot of hardware stuff. So just Kind of really awesome guests come on the show and the whole point is that it's kind of like a hallway track so folks hang out live with us in chat and they can ask questions in chat 
And uh, the topics aren't always necessarily about Python. I want to talk to folks about what they're what they've been working on over the past few months, how they've been doing, what things are they excited and passionate about. And uh, so not this week, but next week, Tani Allard is going to come come and be a guest. I don't oh, have yeah. a calendar open, so. Yeah, Tanya is, is my one of my favorite. So yeah, <laughs> and please check out Python T because uh, I the first of all, the logo is beautiful. I really love the little snake with the teacup. I've seen it on Twitter all the time and just love mm. it. And really great that you changed the time. I'm also thinking about, because now we are recording this interview because I know that our time zone doesn't really work. So yeah. I think, yeah, uh, maybe, maybe like I, I should also uh, change, you know, maybe pie, you know, this program to a later time. And maybe we should do some collaborations. I don't know. Like it's yeah. like a tea party. That's what I I, I actually talked with Lace, my other host, and like we was like, oh, like we have Python tea, we have pies, or maybe we should have a tea party. I don't know. <laughs> I would love to. Yeah, I need to figure out how to get um how to set it up for more than one person. Right. So uh, yeah, we can change notes uh, after after this actually, because I don't want to board on everybody about you know like how to stream but actually i think it's a good idea to uh, start the, the live coding that you did uh, before because i think uh, naomi also did a little bit uh, but i think she's too busy uh, right now because uh, of yeah. course and and uh, yeah it's a lot of devotion it's not easy uh, so yeah I, I think like i really have to say it's a really good job for bringing us programs uh, you know the python t and all this uh, uh, streaming uh, Python content. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think I think that's that's about it for the interview. So thank you so much, Nina. Yeah. And Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's really great to chat with you finally. And um, yeah, we should really talk about uh, you know kind of giving you know changing some tips <laughs> on the streaming and everything. I have to actually like learn from you as well. I'm not very good at setting things up as well. So um, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Susan Hinton uh, wrote an amazing article about how she got her OBS, uh, OBS is open broadcasting software. Yeah. It's a software that you would use to live stream coding or interviews or whatever on Twitch. And uh, she wrote a great blog post about how to get started with OBS on Mac, which really kind of took me to the next level. Yes, yes. Okay, I need to really ask you for the link because <laughs> I'm using Mac. <laughs> so yeah, thank you so much. And um I am sure that you know we'll see you a, a lot more uh, on the you know, conference and all the other things. And of course, check out Python T. We'll also get the link and uh, put it in the description and also our um, our you know program note. So yeah. So thank you so, thank much. You so much. And um, see you. Bye. Hello, welcome back. Shit. You're muted. I'm muted and my camera just like freak out and I don't know. Oh, okay. Yeah, you can see that my background is like very um, mystic now. It's like, I don't know why it happens. It's just like sometimes the algorithm is a bit shy and my lighting yeah. is a bit shy. Usually I, I need the lighting from outside to make it brighter, but now it's it's very dark outside, so maybe that's why. Yeah, it could be. It could be. Now, listen, lovely interview. She's so cool. Yeah, she is cool. She is cool. And I feel like I'm now like in a sci-fi movie that my world is collapsing or something. <laughs> I think that if you click on camera mic uh, settings and if you like change the fading, 
uh, effects of your background. It kind of sorts yeah, a little, the thing little is, bit. Like, if I change it, yeah, it's, I think it's the light. Because like, if I change it, then like I'll be semi-transparent as well. So it's super weird. And I think, yeah, because the lighting, you can see like it's almost black uh, for my uh, blue screen. Oh. So. Yeah. That's the rain. That's the that's the English rain for everyone that is watching us. <laughs> yeah, so that's the horrible weather that contributed to the, this strange lighting here. But anyway, uh, so we Istanbul, have this our, would never happen. Yeah, we have our pipe yeah, highlight here. That let me share the screen. Uh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh my god, my computer is like super slow. I think because yeah. yeah. Okay, right, so what's this? Perfect, so that is AI Fairness 360. So remember when I was talking about the workshop in PyBay a little bit earlier on? Uh, so the, the workshop was basically um, teaching us how to use Dash library. So it's basically, it's, actually, it's not even a library, it's a toolkit. So it's a few um, open source libraries uh, that basically help uh, detect and mitigate bias on machine learning models. So you'd have, um, when you train your model, um, you'd have like different, I I did the, the workshop, I didn't fully understand exactly how it works, um, but apparently you have your models and then we're gonna train them. You have a set of like weights and there's a, a bunch of different, uh, different ways that you can choose to um, work on the bias and try to mitigate the bias on your machine learning model. Uh, and then depending on, of the, on the procedure that you choose, um, you could just run that and it shows you, like there is, there is a training not, notebook, uh, Jupyter notebook showing exactly the difference between a model that was trained, um, it was uh, trained with AI Fairness 360 and another one it wasn't and the level of bias that they're able to mitigate. So yeah, that's quite interesting. And then if you're interested on doing the, if you're interested in learning a little bit more, on that link, there's guidance material. And there are plenty, I think there's four different types of um, techniques and four different types of um, notebooks that you can use and train your models and then compare it. And yeah, just play a little bit around it. Yeah, so this is, okay, so this is library that try to uh, minimize the mm -hmm. bias, but I just wonder what they do, like, do they, change the data or do they um, change the model? So, like, what's their approach? There are different it's... techniques for it. Uh, uh, there is one of the techniques is called re-weighting. So you change the weights on yeah. different, yeah, on different parameters, I think. Um, and then you analyze what's the, what's the difference on the output of the model on dash. Um, but yeah, I'm still, I'm still learning and I'm still going around with it. I just thought it was super cool and it'd be worth sharing. Yeah, I wonder how it would uh, work if I have an imbalanced data set, whether it would do some bootstrapping like automatically mm -hmm. for me for the minor, uh, minor group or things like that. But yeah, sounds interesting. Sounds interesting. I'll let you know when I find out. Yeah. Oh, there's a paper there. Okay. Cool stuff. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. So, um, so mine is just very simple. I, I, I like simple stuff nowadays, like, cause, yeah, like I've, I found it like anything that's user friendly, I like it. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, a cherry pie, I think uh, it's not something new for me. I've actually used it a few years ago already. Uh, but what it does is just like, it's a 
I think it, they advertised themselves as a uh, zero weight um, uh, kind of something like flask, but super simple, super lightweight. And if you're doing something very simple, just want a you know a very basic website, then you could uh, do it with Cherry Pie. So yeah, it's. I, I think I used it last time when I tried to, uh, you know, I'll put a report from my chatbot. So it's just a one page HTML. So uh, this is as simple as I can get. So, um, <laughs> yeah. And also, like, it's got cherry pie. So that's why I like it. Um, the icon is super cute. And um, so basics, you can see that. Um, so what you do is just like you add some decorators and it was just... Um, and it's just like writing Python and everything will work. And it's run on eight, uh, on your local host. And mm -hmm. yeah, if you are familiar with uh, Flask, then this one would be just, you know, very sim sim similar. But this is, um, I would say this is much easier. Like if, if you have, if you are doing something very simple, you know, you just create an index and then you, you know, you just like lock something in the, you know, um, mm. yeah. Of course you can have HTML, sorry. Sorry, does it allow you to? Yeah, you're just saying that it allows for HTML. Does it allow you to uh, strap some CSS on it as well? Yeah, I think so. Uh, it also do with uh, JSON, and yeah, I think it's just like very easy to build some like simple application with this. And yeah, I haven't used it like extensively. I only use it like uh, for that page, and I want something that is as simple as I can get. So that that's why I use it, but. Yeah, it seems that you can, you know, make a much, uh, much more complex infrastructure than just one page. And mm. yeah. Cool. Yeah. And it's, yeah, so yeah, it's, it's just a very lightweight framework that you could use. And um, yes, it, so this is what I did, right? Just serve one single file and then you can also use the CSS on it. But, um, oh yeah, there is a CSS there. Yeah, but you can also like surf the whole website with it. So there's you can use JSON. Then there's some like you know communication between different, um, you know maybe you have you don't want to have a backend so you could talk to that and yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. Cool. Interesting. Yeah. Nothing much. So. Um, so what's going on now is that, uh, yeah, I think uh, there was some uh, discussion about uh, whether, you know, um, how should you get started if you don't have uh, education? So I don't know, actually, I don't like, I don't actually understand the question. Is it like without much ed education in, um, in Python or in computer science or not much education in general? Well, I would say that actually I know people that uh, doesn't have a degree. Um, and they actually, you know, um, they just teach themselves coding and started a career. So I don't think that's impossible. Uh, but I think, of course, you need a lot of hard work um, to. Hey, <laughs> is that Luke? Hello, Hi. Yeah. So I, yeah, I just think that like it, nothing is impossible. It's just that you need to find the the, the right way to suit you, right? You need to find um, the materials that give you the experience and it would be harder to prove yourself like to be honest like compared to someone graduated from a very good university with a computer science degree of course you need to show more to convince the, your your uh, potential employer that actually you you're capable in doing the job 
right? But yeah, like maybe do some uh, other studies. It depends. Like you can do some online courses if you are very good at self-learning, if that works for you. If not, that you can actually check your local university. But now, like, of course, the, the university also offer online courses. But maybe after COVID, you, if you want to, like, you know, learn things traditionally in a classroom setting, then you could, uh, you know, see if there's any other uh, degrees or, you know, programs available in your local university. Um, yeah. I won't discourage anybody who, you know, want to, you know, start working in coding or in IT or whatever. Yeah. There is, well, I know that, I know that, I, I don't know necessarily if you're talking about. Um, uh, yeah, there was a, there was a question in the chat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just couldn't uh, understand if he was talking about IT in general, if he was talking about data science specifically. Because yeah. if it's IT in general, what I keep hearing about mentors is that um, from people that, don't actually have experience is that the most difficult thing that everyone is having issues teaching newbies when they come into IT companies is life cycle, uh, life cycle de development of applications. So the whole how you work in teams and what is a Jira board and how to work with GitHub and all that, that bundle of things uh, apparently is the most difficult thing to teach newbies. So what I keep hearing from senior developers is if you want to get into IT, just make sure you do a course on that or you learn that page because that bit is quite difficult to learn initially. And I would say that I, well, you can learn it on the job, right? So if you just started, you can get a more like a junior role that people don't expect you to have experience on those um, or even an internship. That, like you could start learning how to use uh, Jira, Git, and all this stuff. You you learn it on the spot. They don't so. expect it, but they say that it's quite hard to teach it. Uh, so they're saying that they're giving more. Yeah, they're giving well, because it's a soft skill, people. right? It's a soft skill. People that do courses on that beforehand. Uh, I don't think they're like. I don't think you can learn it in a course. Uh, those are soft skills that I think. Uh, what what they means is that it's usually when they have new new developers coming in. Uh, for example, fresh graduates, they, they, they learn a lot of things in school. They learn a lot of things like uh, in the courses, they may have very good programming skills, but uh, the problem may be because they they haven't worked in a, in a commercial setting, like in a team and work with people in the, cause, but I also think that every team has a different way of, of working, right? Working in a big company and small company, a more organized team or a less organized team will be different. Uh, whether you're facing customer or whether you're facing, uh, you know, internal stakeholder is also different. So I think, yeah, I think of course, like if you have work experience that, that really helps and work experience in this kind of uh, software development setting, it really, really helps, but you, you need to start somewhere, right? So if you're new, then you just need to be, you know, be patient maybe you, you can like if some some of the open source project they have all these like ticker system actually on github it's yeah. not exactly the same as you know some company use but at least you got some like some ideas you can show people that you have worked in a team before with other developers um yeah yeah it's difficult to teach because it's a soft skill it's a soft skill yeah. um and pr is like contributing to open source also helps a lot or oh, proving that you know how to actually do that, how to write your questions and how to merge a PR and things like that. So, yeah. yeah. Um, Get used to the code review thing. <laughs> yeah. Yes. That's a big step, by the way. Oh, and Jugmac, uh, Jurgen is saying that there is a sale on Python books, right? 
So a press is selling every book for eleven ninety nine, and there is some Python stuff, and it seems like it's very cool. So if you need some Python books or if you need any IT books in general, a press A P R E S S. They're on sale. Yeah, get it while you can. Uh... Yeah, we we like that, right? It's like share all the promo code. Share. <laughs> so so like if I I don't know who is listening, but if you have something to offer, you have discount code. Uh, we are always welcome. We'll help to promote and give discount code. We haven't. Oh, we haven't asked Ian for a discount code for his book last time. Sorry about oh, that. True, <laughs> true. We're gonna tweet him now. Ian, would yeah. you like to give us a, a promo code to everyone that is watching yeah. Me Fire for next week? Well, uh, our good friend is also writing a book. I don't know whether we could disclose it, but you know who? Like our good friend is also writing a book. That maybe later when uh, when he uh, publishes it, then we could, uh, yeah, maybe have another oh, interview yeah. and you know um, uh, promo code and things like that. So yeah, yes. <laughs> we're almost there. Well, perfect. So I think this is us for this week, right? Are you happy to be back? Uh, yeah, kind of. I'm still recovering, actually. Um, yeah, recovering to like start working and uh, to be, you know, sit in a not very sunshine setting and um, <laughs> do stuff, uh, you know, back at home. So I, I'm still adjusting. So like, uh, yeah, if you found me a bit weird, uh, that's that's okay because I'm I'm still tuning uh, back to the right frequency, I guess. <laughs> You're acclimatizing to the miserable weather. I get it. Don't worry. <laughs> Yeah. Right. Uh, so, yeah. Yes. Right. So uh, I think that's it for, for this week. And uh, Friday, there will be another uh, tutorial. Oh, uh, yeah. So we may check and change the time or not. Actually, I forgot to, to, to update the schedule on on, on, uh, on Twitch anyway. So, But we will talk about that um, and announce it on my Twitter and on Twitch if, uh, if uh, we are changing the time anytime. So, yeah. Cool. So it was lovely to see you all again. Bye-bye. Enjoy the rest bye. of your week. And I will see you next Wednesday. Yeah. Bye. Cool. cool. Bye-bye. Do you like Meet Meet Pie? Please follow us on Twitter. Give us comments. We'd love to hear what you think. See, see you, you next week. week.